0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the verses we heard from Romans today, Paul doesn't just sound like a sinner. He sounds like an addict, someone in bondage. He sounds like the gambler who knows he shouldn't play with the rent money. He knows what he should do, but he can't. He can't resist. He sounds like the alcoholic who knows he should walk past the bar and go home to his family. He knows what he should do, but he can't. He can't resist. He sounds like the man who neglects his family and works too much. He sounds like the child lying to her parents. He sounds like the wife compulsively shopping. He sounds like us. He knows what he should do. He knows that what he is doing is wrong. But. But. Such a little word. That is oh so big. But. It's not an excuse. Doesn't make it right. Paul knows that. We know that. We want to do what is right. He doesn't want to be ruled by what he knows is wrong. He tries to resist, but he is not strong enough. Something has a hold of him, and he doesn't like it, and yet he can't seem to get rid of it. What's wrong with him? But he's not the only one. Paul's story is Cain's story. He knew that he should be his brother's keeper, and yet... He was overcome by jealousy and rage instead. Paul's story is the story of Joseph's brothers. They knew they shouldn't sell their brother into slavery, and they did it anyway. Paul's story is David's story. He knows he shouldn't be looking at his neighbor's wife on the roof next door bathing. But he does it anyway. And then he follows on his lust and becomes a murderer. Paul's story is Peter's story. He knows he shouldn't deny Jesus, but there's that little word again, but. Paul's story is your story too. I don't know what Paul's addiction was. I don't know what yours is, but you do. I know what mine is, but is it for you? What sin, what addiction, what bondage that keeps popping up in your life, but you can't seem to get rid of it. Maybe it's a deed or an activity. It could also be desire or pride. Maybe for you it's a person or an achievement that has a hold on you. It may not be illegal. In fact, it probably isn't. It may not even be wrong in the eyes of the world. In fact, it probably isn't. People may look at you and think, what a good person, better than most. But you know the truth, the ugly truth. That that's not true at all. You're an addict. It might not be illegal. It might not even be wrong in the eyes of the world. But it has become what you love so much, what you want so much, that it has replaced God in your heart and life. And so it's an idol, making you at times push family aside, marriage aside, church aside, God aside, and serve yourself, your idol, instead. It's not the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in your heart. A mammoth of sin that keeps reappearing. What is it for you? And it can be exhausting trying to serve it. Trying to cover it up so that nobody else knows. Trying to fight it and overcome it. It wears you out because it's so strong and you're so weak. And you don't want to be weak. You want to be strong, so you fight harder. And that just wears you out more and makes you weaker. And it's a wicked cycle, just the way Satan has set it up for you. So that he can keep you in its grip. So that he can keep you in his grip. So finally, at the end of his rope, Paul blurts out, Ah, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Maybe you've been there and know his cry. Maybe you haven't yet, but you will. No one is immune. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man, wretched woman, wretched child that you are. Who will rescue you? Well, you know the answer. But I'm going to read it for you anyway. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now I don't think those were the words you were expecting to hear there. But I wonder if they were the words Paul had in mind when he wrote his answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through the one who rode into Jerusalem that day. Humble and lowly and looking anything but like a conquering king. And yet that's exactly what he was and what he was doing he came having salvation, Zechariah says, your salvation, the deliverance from your bondage, the freedom from your addiction, your idols, your sin. No one less than the king himself came to rescue you from your body of death, for no one less than the king could. Now, we usually talk about what Jesus did in terms of forgiveness. And that's certainly true. You are forgiven all the guilt of all your sin. Done. But that's not all. Jesus doesn't forgive you just to have you go back to the same sin again. But to set you free from that sin. From that burden. From that bondage. From that heavy yoke of your addiction that is taking you where you do not want to go. And so give you rest. Rest from the pride that makes you try to cover it up so that nobody else knows about it. Rest from the despair that makes you wallow in it and think that you'll never be good enough. Rest from the struggle when you try to overcome it yourself. Rest to see in Jesus... The only way out. Now in the world, addiction programs like AA and others have a 12-step program, right? You've uh, you've heard of them. Uh, kind of a ladder to, to help you climb out and over your addiction. Maybe you've even been in one yourself. But for Paul, there are not 12 steps. Just one. But it's a big one. The step that the Son of God took. Coming down from heaven. All the way down to us. To you in the depth of your sin and addiction. To set you free. And then the steps that he took while on earth. Setting people free from diseases, demons and death. And then the steps he took to the cross. And then the step he would not take the one to come down from the cross. He let those bonds that hold us hold him so that he could break them all once and for all with his resurrection so that you would be forgiven and free. So come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for us, burdened by guilt under a mountain of sin with piles of regret and a crushing load of failure. Look, Jesus says from the cross, it's all on me. All of it. Every last sin, every iota of your guilt and failure. And if it's on me, it's not on you. So now take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Learn all that I have done for you. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Like when I rode that donkey into Jerusalem. I still am. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's quite different. Those two yokes. One heavy Leading you down a path you don't want to go, but you are not able to resist. So it controls you and drives you. But the other, light. Leading you to salvation, a path you do want to go down, but you are not able by yourself. So your Savior leads you and brings you with Him. Which do you think is better? Which do you want? Now some of you may be thinking that better than either of those options is to have no yoke at all. To just throw off all the shackles of this world and the church and just be on my own and be my own person. But that's not freedom. What you'll wind up doing is simply following your own urges and desires and being a slave to them under that heavy yoke again. That heavy yoke of a Addiction to sin. So while Paul's story is our story, what Jesus has done is make his story our story as well. A better story with a better ending. So when you are baptized, Jesus' story becomes your story. You become a child of God, receive His Spirit, and die and rise with Him. So that's where your life now is. Not in an addiction that only robs you of life. And when you are absolved, Jesus' story becomes your story. As you hear those words He spoke from the cross, Father, forgive them for you. That's where your life now is. You don't have to feed an addiction to feel good about yourself. And when you feed on Jesus' body and blood, his story becomes your story. That's where your life now is. That partaking of this new and greater Passover, you pass over, already here and now, to a new life. A truly free life. To step over, or maybe even on, whatever it is that is addicting you, holding you. You. So while Paul's story and your story are an ugly truth, so too in receiving Jesus' story, you've received a beautiful truth and a saving truth that you are defined not by your sin or your addiction, but by your Savior. Not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done for you. So I think this chapter, these words, they must have been awfully hard for Paul to write, to admit such an addiction, his sin, his weakness, his failure. He'd been such a strong and successful man, looked up to by all, until he saw something different, until he saw what was real. You know, experts say that if you want to be able to, to find something that's counterfeit, you don't study the counterfeits. You study the real thing, so that when something counterfeit comes along, it sticks out like a, store, like a sore thumb. Well, only when Paul saw the real thing, saw Christ and his life and love, did he see his own life for what it really was, fake He was not a good man, but a wretched man. And that he needed to repent and turn away from all that he was, all that he had been doing. And rely on Christ instead. For only after being exposed and all his efforts crushed, did Jesus' forgiveness and freedom then taste so sweet. Paul drank of that and rejoiced. It completely changed him. And now he wants it for you too. And Jesus too wants that for you of course. It's why he came. And why he comes. So while it's hard for us too. To admit our addiction. Our sin. Our weakness. Our failure. And to repent. To do so. Means rest from your labors. Rest in Christ, so that you too can rejoice, or, as, as Zechariah put it, be a prisoner no longer of addiction, but a prisoner of hope. To the Lord who restores to you double both forgiveness and freedom, both life and faith and love. He gives you the forgiveness and faith that gives you that life and the freedom and love to live that new life, to no longer be in that bondage or addiction to your sin, but to serve your neighbor in love, like Christ. For his life is real life, and his love, real love. So on this Independence Day weekend, this weekend that we celebrate our freedom, that freedom, Paul would tell you, is the freedom we really need. And it is the greatest freedom of all. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.